0: But I mean, yeah, spoiler minefield is the probably the best. It, it, there is no one is safe. Yeah, it's a it's a no spoiler shows.
1: disaster disaster zone.
0: <laughs> and we can't and depending on how the discussion goes, we can't even like spoilers for X shows. Yeah, so,
1: like ten different shows. Oopsie.
0: <laughs> minimum. Uh-huh. Yeah, tread lightly, students. Uh-huh. All right, I'll clap you off.
1: Welcome back to class, everybody. We are the
0: Weebology Podcast. I am Ethan. I am your jet set professor, Ricky. Yes. I'm on another I was on another jet, another trip. Yeah, you're You'd uh, think.
1: you know, world traveler, <laughs> uh, world stomper.
0: <laughs> I had a friend tell me, you travel more than an Instagram influencer, dude. I'm like, well, you know. To be fair, <laughs> in
1: literally like the last two weeks, yes. Overall, probably uh, you know, it absolutely evens out.
0: not. Yeah, been to like five new cities, three of which, four of which I intended, four of which I intended, and one that was <laughs> thrusted upon me. But you know, yeah, I, I can say I was in, uh, I was in Austin this past this past weekend. It was fantastic. I haven't been back in a long time, and uh, kind of up there with one of my favorite cities. Kind of small, but really? super, yeah, super weird. They go, keep Austin weird, haha. They really pride themselves in that. But there's a bit of truth in it. It was a good time. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear it's yeah, like maybe- kind of
0: indie or like alternative
1: almost, especially for a place it- like, um, you know, in Texas. I think it's actually like a, a big nexus point for people moving from California.
0: Oh, yeah. We saw the brand new Oracle building, some big tech tech HQs, and. Boy, howdy, dude, those things are just like futuristic space station dome central. Like, it's yeah, it is wild, it's wild to see, but yeah, I mean, it was a good time. Very, uh, for anyone who hasn't visited, you think, Texas, like that's you know, indie weird, and, you know, it's it's pretty unexpected when you visit. But, um, speaking of unexpected,
1: <laughs> good one.
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We're doing a little topic today that you know. Ethan kind of floated floated across my proverbial desk and was just like, dude, we should definitely talk about this. And I'm like, you know, there is enough. There's enough shows that have done this. And I would argue in modern times started to capitalize on this kind of concept to draw in a fan base where I think it's, you know, there's enough of a catalog in this particular category where we can, you know, kind of talk about these kinds of shows that hit us square in this particular, you know, kind in in this in this realm. But you know, Ethan, you want to do the honors.
1: Yeah, so I thought, you know, actually I I got this because I was watching the show, I was going to be I thought it was just going to be like this fun kind of like Harem romance, and it just came out of nowhere with the freaking people, <laughs> people's elbow, and then a tombstone right after. So you know, I was I, I was left just like you know, stone cold stunned in the middle of the freaking uh, the ring. But basically, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about shows or I guess events in shows that left us like absolutely like speechless or bawling our eyes out or just like overall uncomfy. <laughs>
0: Yes, these are shows or events of shows that have emotionally or mentally just kind of fucked us up. There's yeah. really no other way to kind of get around that. Just like <laughs> shit of breaks what us. it is. Yes, so we will we talked right before the show and we feel this is going to be one of the heaviest disclaimers we've ever done on the show about spoilers. This is going to be a spoiler minefield. Just a true unadulterated spoiler left and right. When you talk about twists There's going to be part of this, you know, and big events. You're really going to kind of have to get a you're going to have to get some spoilers. And there's to really talk about, you know, why they hit. Did it feel manufactured or natural? And, you know, going forward, is this something that is going to be considered by a modern anime fan base? Like, does a show have to have these events to hit? Can it be just uh a benign thing anymore. Does it have to have this big fat hook or these big fat twists, you know, that's kind of where my head was at. But, um,
1: yeah. And I think, I think what I would like to do is maybe start with the most mainstream shows. Cause like that most people probably have seen those. And then it's like less like chance of, of spoiling people. And then kind of like near the end, I'll be talking about just like some rando shows, I guess, or like less mainstream. So like, if you, if you only watch the specific shows in the beginning, like it'll be easy to, you know, not be worried about spoiler alert. A hundred
0: percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's something that, and while I was on the plane, I was just, you know, sitting there in deep hyper contemplation about, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, to, to the point where everyone was concerned about the brain power emanating, I'm pretty sure I knocked out some, you know, Air, aerospace uh, equipment with the amount of wrinkle power I was putting out in that. Yeah, plane. you know they tell you to put uh,
1: put your stuff on airplane mode, but it doesn't count when you're just like emanating pure <laughs> brain
0: waves. I was already on seven G, yeah. basically. You knocked out it's their the world entire <laughs>
1: their entire like uh telemetry set. <laughs> yeah i had no I idea where they that were plane a,
0: i made that plane a bogey to the central ground crew like what the fuck is that in the air <laughs> oh my god there's a couple um, of F- be-
1: f-16s came up to check if you were a russian <laughs> uh russian spy plane
0: it's like no, no no sorry sorry we're just detecting high wrinkles in here i think we're gonna be okay oh my god it's nose diving oh my god it's nose diving <laughs> um but yeah, let's let's hit with the mainstreams, because I think there's a couple shows in the zeitgeist of the anime community in the last, I would say, like, shit, even decade, that like everyone knows it by its twist, right? And I think you and I could tee up a couple of those mainstream, obvious ones. Um The main one, obviously, that hit me, but I think it warrants an interesting discussion is Promise Neverland. It's a show, I think, that locked in an entire fan base solely due to a one episode like drop twist. Right. And I, I wanted to maybe make an interesting comparison to why I think that this twist fucked people up so hard um, to a show that we have talked about in the past, Invincible. Not necessarily, we didn't does an anime about it. You can go check out that episode. That was a really fun discussion. Um, but that show, too, had a first episode drop twist. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like that there is an interesting duality there about why maybe... It highlights why *Promise Neverland* was so potent, and *Invincible*'s first twist is due to the fact that it was kind of playing beat for beat on the tropes of a pretty typical Western superhero show in the line of like *Young Justice* or a DC animated show, right? Right. We we came in knowing those beats. They played to the they played it like a fiddle, and then boom, hard subversion. I don't know maybe you disagree with this but I feel like Promised Neverland wasn't coming in playing with any tropes. I didn't really knew what I or at least thought I knew what I had on my hands when I started Promised Neverland episode 1 season 1, right?
1: Yeah, it, I mean it definitely didn't like set up a like calm and peaceful like it's no Madoka Magica. Right? Where it starts off as like, oh, cute little girls doing things, and then just like turns absolutely like blood red. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the streets (laughs) will flow with blood. No. Couldn't um, be
0: darker. Yeah.
1: But it did somewhat in that, like, the first episode, you you felt like all these kids were like loved and taken care of really well, and like, you know, just like typical orphanage kind of shit, right? But like, it felt like a nice orphanage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: it it did feel that way, and I think it's kind of to your point. You said it best: is that like they they were trying to set something up, but there was always that element of unease. I don't know if you felt that, but there was something that
1: I think it was the setting, pull. like the, the yeah. kind of dark colors. Like this orphanage in the middle of nowhere by itself was a little odd, right? Like just from the rip, mm-hmm. almost like pulling on tropes from like old horror movies, like almost like a um like a psycho
0: yeah yeah that that it wasn't so much that it was like clearly teeing up or telegraphing something that you could kind of see like oh here it comes here it comes but it was more like all the elements here make it feel like this is going to be a nice maybe drama in an orphanage situation but something was amiss but you couldn't put your finger on it where invincible it basically it didn't telegraph that at all but it did so because it nested so close to the chest the tropes we were expecting right down to the animation style it was right. by all accounts for the first hour a kind of uh, coming of age superhero DC-esque story right with Promised Neverland it it was the the drop twist that emotionally or mentally fucked me up so hard was because that I did always have this low hum of something is not right here. A little uncanny valley, but you're willing to kind of put that to the side or the back of your brain until too bad it gave it to you full force and set everything up perfect. So, I mean, that's the obvious one. And I think it it rested pretty... It made season one. It took that momentum and just kept elevating with it. I think that's a good thing about... What makes a good twist, right, is that you need to then a twist in and of itself that early on you got to run with it you you can't just just let the twist happen and then it fizzles out that's where you get a season 2 but that can't hurt you anymore that you know some say it doesn't even exist so doesn't matter but um i but did yeah, w- i did want to
1: ask you like so for for that show while i obviously love the twist and i love like sort of what they did after the fact right like kind of making it less so like what's going on and more like how do we how do we get away from it kind of do you think yeah. like So, like, Invincible's big twist happened, like, maybe episode four. Do you think it would have been almost better if we, like, just noticed, like, weird shit happening for, like, three or four episodes, and then kind of, like, then we find out? Like, do you think maybe it took a little bit of the... I mean, it didn't take any of the heat really off, because now you know how bad it is, right? But, like, I almost wish I was, like, creeped out a little bit more for the first couple of episodes
0: as to, like, what's happening. I I hear I hear what you're saying. That's actually an interesting question because you know they had they had all of the pieces to do exactly what you're doing, which is actually quite cool. Is that they you know you could have mom like sort of making weird comments here and there, and then kind of slow burning up. I, I think the trade off question to that is: Would the same twist in episode four have hit as hard? and stayed the potency in, every, in the viewers' brains. Would it have hit that hard if you were given time to really try to suss it out yourself, right? That's the, that's the kind of a question of a twist. Where do you drop something like that? Do you do it early, hit it, and then run with the momentum? Or do you kind of slow burn this and get, maybe give the higher wrinkled audience members uh, of the group maybe time to like, you know, ex- have more time to expect something? Right. Yeah, I, know. So, and it's, I, it's,
1: it's, I think it's like really up to the like, I think either way could work. But, you know, what they did do in Promise Neverland season one obviously worked extremely freaking well.
0: Yes, it did. And I mean, to this day, I think it was one of and, and that's the best part is I think I've even said it in my top five video that it for me from a pure writing standpoint for that year it took the cake and probably the best writing for a single season because the twist could have been later but the writing was so good after that it never let up the gas and it just kind of like kept throwing little bits because even though uh, the twist didn't reveal much it revealed the stakes and the kind of the it dropped the curtain a bit on the world but We still didn't have all the answers, right? A twist a twist that still left us wanting for more is a really hard feat to pull off. And Promise Neverland season one specifically did such a fantastic job at that. So absolute kudos. I think that twist, you know, cemented that season as one of the greats for the, you know, for a, a foreseeable future, I'd say. So, um but yeah, I don't know if you had another one in the tanks. I I had a couple others in my notes. Here. I have
1: a ton. I just don't know where where to draw the line as far as like what is like least spoilery. I've got one for Bleach, I think fucked me up, and then
0: Re:Zero, I think is an obvious one to talk about. Um Yeah, Re:Zero is a good one because I think that it's it's not too spoilery to say because you kind of get the hook early. You the but it's not like a twist, right? It's the show's premise that keeps you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And that's that's the other side of the coin here for kind of emotional fucking up or mental fuck up for the audience is that you don't need necessarily just a twist, right? Right. You just need a con you need a concept and Subaru's concept of death and rebirth and just kind of looping over and over again. The where the e- emotional fuckery, as I may say. Is coming from that concept played to the nines, like in every right. every it's, type it's like of situation,
1: grinding your soul down over and over and over again. Yes, and I yes. think I think for me, like the first season and the, the first like watch through or whatever that you do of Re Zero, like when you hit these like. I, like, the first, like, massacre from whatever that one chick's name is, it's just like, what the, oh, the fuck just happened, you know?
0: Was she, like, the disemboweler or something like yes, that? Or, yes, like, it's... whatever she's called? Yeah. Because you're like, this world, it it didn't really play too close to, oh, this world is a different isekai world, right? At, from, from the outset, you kind of ha- could have been convinced that, yeah, we're about to get some kind of interesting, you know, an interesting Issei Kai. Sure, he doesn't have a lot of powers. He's in a new world. It was very sudden, and then all of a sudden, it took that that gritty turn. So maybe the the twist there, the the oomph that you get, is the tonal shift that I think a lot of shows employ here in this list. Um, well, it's like again, even worse because it literally, like every time,
1: like he thinks he's got his shit together, it just gets even more like emotionally taxing. Like I think, like. The next one after that, I, you know, after that first one, I think was like Rim or Ram kills him, right? And it's yes. just like like yes. shit just gets like really, really ratcheted up to the nines. And then by the end of like season one, I think he's like getting tortured by Bettle Goose, right? So it's like yes, there, just like a I think a constant ratcheting of like almost soul rending, um, scenes and like, I I think for me, I try to really put myself in the point of view of like the main character that's why sometimes like you'll hear on, on these shows like i'll think something just like blows you know because it's just like <laughs> yeah like it makes you know absolutely like no sense to me what like logically they'd be doing and so sometimes it's like pretty tough for me to i guess put myself in in the uh, main character's shoes but like in in these sorts of like emotionally charged cases like all, all the things we're gonna be mentioning today um these are definitely ones that I, I put myself in their shoes and I was like, damn. I mean, while I do think Subaru could have made a few different decisions, like, you know, coming from, like, high school kid in freaking uh, Tokyo to dealing with, yeah. like, this wild, like, s- set of, like, circumstances, it's hard to really, like, blame them too much.
0: And and here's the thing with that, and ReZero is actually a really good example of, um, it's more about the... I was going to say that in a lot of these cases, it is a show that is putting itself in the perspective of a, you know, uh, a piece, a genre piece, I guess I'd call it, is that this is clearly top to bottom character setting, story, lore. It's all supposed to emulate X genre. Like Rezero is supposed to emulate that isekai high fantasy genre. And then, by saying, okay, this is what we telling you, this is what we're telling you it is. It then has room to set itself apart. However, I think what emotionally screwed me up most with ReZero is Subaru wanted so badly for the for his second chance to change, become better, but let the world act on him so he just is given opportunities to change, and then he can quote unquote rise above it. Whereas as the show grinds the audience like Subaru down, it becomes readily apparent that Subaru is still just this kind of loser-passive guy, and it takes beat down after beat down before he realizes that this world is not going to change me, right? Uh, if I don't change, I'm just going to keep getting beat down. And then he, he has to come to grips that. I'm the shithead, right? And I have to change. I think that's what emotionally screwed me up about that show the most is you, he's coming to the really, really somber realization that, you know, I'm not a better guy for being here. I have to be a better guy if I want to do the things I want. I can't just say, I'm going to save everyone and not change or rise to that and let the world just show me opportunities. And just yeah. it solves itself, right? Um I think so they, I, I they think... tried
1: something really interesting where like he comes to the to the new world or whatever thinking that he's like the main character, right? And he thinks yes. like everything's gonna go well for him. And Absolutely. then it's just like really the rest of the show is him coming to grips with like, you are such a peon in the scheme of things. And like honestly, like these things are happening around you and maybe you can you can make some choices to change things, but I think that's like the inevitable dread that i felt as seasons go on with like no matter what you do somebody's going to fucking die that you didn't want to die right or like some un unpossible you know impossible to understand like side issue is going to occur you know what i mean and i yeah, think like most and- recently you see that I, that's like too recent i think to even spoil but like with it with this chickie sure.
0: Yeah, yes with this chickie. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I like the way you put that, right? Is that it, no matter what he does, something someone dies, some negative outcome happens because of the way he plays situation or loop number 35, right? But the 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 sickness I think or the sober reality that super either doesn't want to realize or realizes too late and then falls into that depression in that is that he keeps restarting saying, "No, no, no, I can do this." I must be I must be able to do this, right? I was Isekai. I'm the main character, right? I should be able to win the day, no compromises. But that that is a nice play on the Isekai MC archetype where I can have the best outcome because I'm me. Well, it's you, Subaru, who which is why who you are is why it is not coming out the way you want it to or you're not willing to accept that it's, it's inevitable that it's going to come out in a inoptimal way that you want in a selfish way. Um, it's a really, that, that show as a whole emotionally screwed me. And I think, I guess that's the question, right? Is there, there's a lot of shows like that, that will emotionally beat down a character. Hell, we just did it with Kaiji. Like it's a similar kind of vibe in a different kind of way though. Right. But
1: just like pure I, existential dread, you can never get out of the hole kind of
0: scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what what is that? How is that attractive? Because you 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 hear shows like that, popular or not, mainstream or not, that you know, it sounds like it's really playing on or center piecing that existential dread for a character. And people have called it online and in the community, like it's almost like torture porn. But why? Why do you think maybe a show like that, that is e that is like high octane emotional fuckery? Why is that attractive as a show pitch? Why is that attractive as a show sell when you walk away feeling emotionally like twisted, right?
1: Yeah, I think um you know, we I think we actually have talked about it before where where it's like, you know, why do you watch shows about serial killers or of like biggest mass murderers in history, right? From like, n- you know, Netflix or stories <gasps> yeah, yeah. where like girls would be like you know, sexually assaulted and then murdered by priests or whatever. Like those, uh, I forget the name of the show. It was like hidden. Like handmaid, handmaid's tale or whatever. No, 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 like no, 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 like that. That, oh, okay. That's bullshit. This was like a oh, real okay. thing. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. Okay.
1: I mean, yeah, like, like true story, yeah. like, like there was like this school, I guess, like an or maybe an orphanage or something. And one of the nuns finds out that all this crap's going on and she tries to like stop it. And then she gets murdered um, oh, wow! And, and so basically it's just like a, a story about trying to figure out who actually murdered her and, and like basically un- untangling all the, the mess that has occurred. And, and yeah. they just like, to me it's like the almost like a morbid curiosity, right? Like why else would you listen to podcasts about like serial killers or like, I don't know. It, it's maybe it's, human it's nature. Fo- like when it's something so yeah. far away from like your day to day, like maybe it's just like morbid curiosity of like, like there's going to be a couple later on where I'm going to mention that they're just like, I just genuinely can't imagine people going down this path.
0: <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. And so it's like and hard to look away. It's funny. Cause like I wanna I wanted to go back and say catharsis, but like a, a lot of horror movies, you know, I have this uh, longstanding idea that, you know, horror movies are attractive because it is canning a primal fear or a primal emotion in a controlled environment so you get the catharsis of feeling that primal fear in a way that you aren't actually in a a threatened situation however shows like rezero it seems like it's there's so little release so little catharsis there's just it's so lopsided in the weight of just the beat down and the buildup of that dread and that emotional kind of burdening and so few. So maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe part those little moments, those shining moments where super does win the day. It just hits so much harder because you just saw this giant path of just sludge and emotional battering that it took for this guy to, Finally get the W, right? Am- he's hold so he's weighed down by so many L's. Right. The I man's mean it might be so like, many L's.
1: It might be a little bit like like you're saying Catharsis is, is thinking like, Well, nothing that's going on in my life is anywhere near as bad as this, right?
0: Ah, it's a comparison measure. Like at least I'm not Subaru getting eaten from the inside out by, you know, creatures or some shit like that, right? It's interesting. That's really interesting. Um what I wanted, one I wanted to bring up to you though, um, Attack on Titan.
1: Okay, this is on my thought, list
0: too. Okay, thought, so I went back and forth. I wanted to think, oh yeah, because it's very clear, right, surface level. It's it's super, it's super fucked up. There's a lot of you know actual whiplash moments in that show, but at well, it brings up a conversation. I wanted to ask you at some point, does a show oversaturate itself? Right. If you're always pivoting, if you're always twisting, is there ever really a moment? I'm not necessarily Attack on Titans like this because I think there's there are ebb and flows of really good pacing in between those moments. But you know, I'm trying to think. There's there's a couple other shows that I had that I'm thinking like it's always trying to get the one up on me that I just no longer I feel numb to the to the twists. Right? I feel numb to what the clearly an attempt at over overproductive uh, overproductive uh, no there's a better word for that kind of artificial environmental fuckery right? <laughs>
1: overproduced <laughs> environmental fuckery over
0: Overprodu- yeah
1: i think um honestly attack on titan and re-zero are pretty similar um it's uh-huh. it's sort of this idea that like no matter what you do you're fucked at least that's how i view attack on titan except it's like an entire yeah. population of people believe this Rather than it just be like your main character knowing something's going on that nobody else really like has the keys of the kingdom on, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So like
1: you know, Attack on Titan. I think while I was not a massive fan of like season one, um, just because it felt really like obvious to me what was happening, um, sure. But it did do a phenomenal job of like. Three little kids just kind of chilling in this town, and like, yeah, we know that there's something going on outside, but it's not like that big of a deal because you got these yeah. big ass walls. And then just like, yeah, everything's cool, and then shit just goes Ooh. absolutely buck wild, insane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Like exactly. They, they
1: literally watch his mother get eaten in front of them. It's just like you know what, what m- more like existential dread kind of a situation could you put yourself in, or like, like mentally put yourself into that that like their kid, those shoes, like it's just, yeah, right. I don't think there's anything more like soul torturing than like thinking of that or like even a little farther into season one when like all their friends from their scout class just get absolutely clapped instantly in the first engagement. Right. Like we know, like we've been told the scouts have an insanely high death rate, but then like being faced with it, like actually watching friends die is like totally fucking different.
0: And it, it was funny because I think that um, there's another show I wanted to compare to Attack on Titan for a different reason. Uh, but it's Attack on Titan did such a good job where, where ReZero never. It's not that they tried and failed. They just never, ever did this. Where Attack on Titan did a really good job, I would say early to mid, uh, sh- mid-series, mid of building up hope that hope that felt very natural. To your point, very good point we heard the scouts have a very high mortality rate and doing their job. And you felt, at least I think the audience as a whole did, maybe this group of scouts are different. You know, they have the high camaraderie. They, you know, a lot of them are pretty prodigal in their own right, operating that ODM stuff. So like, you know, maybe just, maybe they have that chance. And there's that moment of that famous moment of hope where Aaron's like, you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe we can be the difference makers. And then, boom colossal titan right behind him get fucked like that that the way they do that ramping up of hope and then bottom out right that back and forth attack on titan early to mid did such a fantastic job of that where ReZero never even gave you for the most part that rise of hope in a lot of cases it was just bottom out bottom out bottom out and then in the de- in the void there was a bit of light and then it would just keep bottoming out even further. Um, But uh, I don't know the show I wanted to compare it to though. Tokyo Ghoul season one. Thank you. That's on my list too. Okay, good. Cause now, now where I think the conversation with attack on Titan later has gone and I don't want to give too much spoilers away for that, but the way that this emotional fuckery changes characters for uh you know better or worse and in a lot of cases of these kinds of shows a lot worse now do you find and using to I'm going to pivot right seamlessly into Tokyo Ghoul with your you know your main character kind of getting his situation becoming a ghoul and then kind of slowly getting beat down into the hopelessness do you find the retaliatory nature of those character arcs you know cuz at the end of season 1 he snaps and then becomes this huge antagonistic force against the other ghouls. Do you find that engaging? Do you find that cathartic? Because um, I have my thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I love characters that kind of go down that martyr path. I think, you know, we talked about uh, Guilty Crown as well, where it's sort of the yes, same yes. deal, where the main character just gets, like, fucked with so hard that he, like, snaps and goes down, like much more of a hard edge path right and i i actually love the scene in tokyo ghoul it's actually one of my favorites probably of all time especially when it was airing when he basically is being tortured like for Mm -hmm. you know i i don't know whether it was like days or whatever but he's tortured and then just like you literally get to watch like him snap (laughs) and then yes it also comes with just like an insane boost and then like a taboo attached right where he starts eating other ghouls um yeah and it's just yeah. like i don't know i really i don't know if resonate with those characters makes a lot of sense because i you know i've never been in really a situation where i'd have to do that but i think that i'm not that i would make those decisions but i would i wouldn't feel necessarily bad about being the one that has to make those decisions to keep like your friends Like maybe purer, if that makes sense. Like I kind of like those characters that try to like take on all the kind of like evil themselves, because it does feel like you know if if you had a sep like like let's just take um, guilty crown and uh, Tokyo Ghoul like Kaneki for instance, like it felt like he was taking on like that that antagonist role so that his his like friends didn't have to, and like especially like Toka, his his chick. Like, it felt yeah. like he was really doing his best to keep them, like, sheltered from, like, the true, like, despicable behaviors that had to be done to, like, make this, I guess, this overall problem kind of go away or, like, affect it in some large way. And, like, those characters,
0: sure. like, they really
1: F you up if you, like, try to put yeah. your, put yourself in their shoes.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's part of where I get a bit of my confusion about, this sort of character, because if you want to lump in characters like that, I would argue Sasuke from Naruto kind of gains a bit of that arc, right? Cause he, the martyr character I think is different than like a Tokyo ghoul, right? Where, you know, taking it all upon yourself is in some kind of sick way in execution, a noble goal at the end, even if the ideology is twisted, but that comes from the topic of what we're talking about, the emotional, fuckery and the beat down existentially. But I don't know if I find the that's maybe why I'm not a big big the biggest fan of Tokyo Ghoul season two is because where others, like in Guilty Crown and Naruto, they may have more of a martyristic path for to justify this this the sick and twisted kind of execution of some of their stuff. The the Tokyo Ghoul kind of thing is that I guess the element in my mind is that is there some catharsis for getting for seeing a character finally having the means and the desire to enact some sort of revenge? They are something that they are owed, right? That in seeing all of that emotional beatdown for a character, is there catharsis in finally seeing them get what's theirs, right? Finally getting their chance to enact that back. and. I go back and forth whether or not I think that I find that super engaging because I mean, like, do you want to see them redeem themselves in the end? Do you want to just see them like, yeah, fuck you, Just keep just keep beating people down. Um, I don't know. I I go back and forth on that because, like, the martyr thing is kind of interesting where. I like I like the Sasuke example because he says at the end, I will be the only evil. I will take everything on myself so that there will never be anything else besides me. I will be the world's enemy. Now, are we hoping that Sasuke redeems himself in the end? Or are we hoping that are we seeing like, okay how far is this character willing to go for that? Right. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think you got to like you really got to take every character kind of on their own, but also like take into account, obviously like psychological pressures. I think most of everything that Sasuke did makes complete sense. Now that, you know, I think about it quite a bit, but yeah, the only thing that doesn't make sense is like maybe killing, killing village elders and stuff like that makes sense. But then like, why like attack your village and then like potentially cause the same pain that you felt for other kids right like there's like a certain like threshold that just like for some characters in my opinion doesn't make a lot of sense but like when you talk about kanaki like being like not only just physically tortured but mentally tortured from external and internal sources right that's that's what makes him sort of like a a special um special character in, in that like risa is still
0: talking to him right yes he's getting kind of like like tweaked from the inside right so he's getting
1: this this internal tweak and then jason on the outside is messing with him like like pretty much classic kidnapper um torture kind of scenario
0: yeah so he's getting he's basically getting squeezed from both sides until he pops essentially right and Um, and so like
1: it to me i loved like the, the idea of like i think it might it might be called like marie antoinette syndrome where your hair just like from so much stress, turns white.
0: Yes. like That I, I, I might be it.
1: Yeah. And it makes total sense to me like how that happens um, and then happened in this specific show. But it does like, you know, then you like, I think as a show, you're able to show maybe like his friends coming into contact with him later and like how twisted up they become seeing their friend having like fallen from grace or like fallen to the depths And like that kind of stuff, that really like I think gives you a lot of emotional turmoil.
0: Yeah, and and I guess that that goes back, kind of ties back into like the main topic is that like, or at least in my head, is there is there engagement? Because like in that kind of way, you know, it's really kind of an eye for an eye syndrome in a lot of these characters that they just you know they have been pushed so far, and in that existential dread and emotional turmoil they finally... Are they given license to push back when they finally can? You know, eye for an eye, but does eye for an eye make for a good time? Right? Of course, it makes the whole world blind. We have been... That's a parable. It's a very common thing. We all know that, you know, revenge for revenge's sake is going to get no one anywhere, but does it make for an engaging mm. experience for the audience? I guess that really kind of comes down to the kind of viewership or the what you're trying to do, right? Are you looking to see someone get beat all the way down to shit and then that just the revenge just feels sweet just for the sake of it? And I think sometimes you can have that. I think you really can. And there's a lot of really potent moments. I do think, um, well, on, the, on the Naruto thing, I think the Sasuke-Donzo interaction and fight, that felt cathartic purely because of that revenge reason. I wasn't in it Looking for Sasuke to find some kind of reconciliation in that moment, Danzo had a very heavy hand in forcing his brother to do what he had to do or was told he had to do. So, in all other cases, I'd be like, "Oh no, Sasuke, slipping further." But I don't know. In that moment, I found I found weirdly emotional resonance. Like, hell yes, Sasuke, you get yours. Like yeah. get dark. Get dark. I like, think I think if you want to talk about
1: Naruto, like the two scenes that really like F you up are his fight with Itachi and his fight the first time with Naruto. Where it's like yeah. like basically his two brothers, he's fighting them for different reasons, right? And just like yeah. the I guess emotional turmoil that you have to like think somebody Sasuke's age would be going through in both of those scenarios. They're very different, but um like very different types of grief and pain that like really twist you up um like i think donzo is such a bad guy like as described by everybody in the show that it's almost like like anybody that kills him is better <laughs> you know what i mean
0: yeah, yeah no 100% 100% and it, it felt all the better because it was sasuke so i do hear that um and i think for me the emotional fuck up in that show heavy was Kind of one I want to say, Obito's reveal in my mind um, of It was kind of really well telegraphed, but it was more the character arc hitting that climax of this is what could happen if you know to anyone who goes down. Because I want to talk about a men- uh, mental turmoil and anguish. Obito got the shit stick of that one, and he and that was completely manufactured to be the most potent possible for completely nefarious gains but i also found real subtly sasuke at the end of that war coming to a an answer that was very very like lofty idealistic in a way that you know not that you couldn't disagree with but you can understand i think that's part of it is that you understand we've watched the entire arc of Sasuke's emotional turmoil. So for him to come to the answer of, I want to start a revolution with me as its dark, crunchy center, right? And he's, do- he's doing it because it's his own twisted view of peace. You're like, well, goddamn. Everything we just watched this entire series makes complete sense why he's gotten to that point and he has the means now to do it. So for me, that mostly fucked me up because I'm like, well, shit. He's, I I can't dispute, I don't know if I could dispute this. In his shoes, would I do the same thing? Yeah. Given what he's gone through, right? Like, Naruto
1: in general is, like, at its base, it's just a show about, like, insanely strong people with, like, really unattainable, like, goals and, like, thoughts and expectations about how the world should be. And it's really, like, the world rebelling at every turn. And then, like twisting w- what these people wanted for for it, kind of. So it's like one hundred percent. Like every single, you know, even Hashirama had it, had, it, had his own expectations. Madara, Toby, you know, all these people just had all these expectations that like nothing could possibly meet. And then you know we find out from Boruto that even Naruto's expectations are complete horseshit. Um, yeah. So it's honest- just like honestly, yeah.
0: Um,
1: kind of just an interesting take there. I going to t- change it up a tad. This is one that okay. that fucked me up like sat like sadness and like beauty wise.
0: I got a couple of those too. So oh, yeah. so
1: for me Bleach, of course, everybody okay. knew I had to throw this sucker in there. But you have to. This you is uh to. this is between like kicking Eisen's ass and like the start of the Fullbring arc and really like really the beginning of that. So, okay, he fights Aizen He has to make this decision to basically put all of his, essentially future potential and all of his possible spiritual uh, pressure or you know spiritual affinity into these. This is like one move essentially, right? And he's told he's told like if you make this decision, you essentially will cease being able to see any like soul reaper or anybody with like spiritually attuned like powers. So that's like all his friends in the soul society he'll never, you know, see again. Or he knows like at some point he will be essentially cut off from from this like pretty important part of his life. And so yeah. he goes from, you know, saving essentially the world from Aizen. And then he continues doing his like substitute soul reaper stuff for a little while. And everybody's really worried about him because they notice he's just like losing like immense amounts of power every time that he fights, to where yeah, he's really yeah. starting to struggle with even like the most basic of hollows, and so you've got you've got like his friends starting to like even hide certain events from him, right? Like Uryu is starting to like essentially avoid him altogether so that he doesn't bring him into more danger. Orihime is out doing like she's trying to like help with the the hollow problem, and like it's it's kind of this this situation where he starts getting into this sort of this depressive state where, like, he cannot help his friends anymore. And that was the whole reason that he got these powers in the first place and, like, why he, like, changed his entire life and got involved in this world. And so it's kind of this, like, emotional spiral for him. And then... Yeah. To me, like, the, the absolute saddest part, and, like, I will literally cry every time I get to this, like, the very final... um amount of his, of his like spiritual pressure go is like about to go away and he like spends one last day with like renji rukia and all these guys just like out with his friends like ice skating and hanging out but they all know like after this it's like literally over and so they're out yeah. they're out front of his uh his like um his family's clinic and they say their goodbyes basically and then they just, like, all his, his Soul Society friends just, like, flake away. And then that's, like, it. He's no longer, like, involved at all in anything related to the Serete and protecting the world from hollows. And, and, like, really, his entire friend group had built up this kind of, um, I guess, this duty, like, self-appointed almost, to, like, protect Karakura Town. And now he's completely on the outside. And it's just like Dude, such an emotional
0: uh, event. It, yeah, for like that, for me, is up there in Bleach. But honestly, one in the Fullbring arc that always gets me is the moment that Ginjo, uh, Ginjo, basically betrays him. Right. And I remember when it, when he gets when he gets it all stolen, all up all up to that point. We knew we kind of got glimpses into the inner psyche of uh Ichigo basically being powerless and having to reconcile for over a year of just like I'm, I'm 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 bridled with all of this experience, with all of this desire to help the friends I can't see any longer. He finally has a way back in. He finally feels like there's some avenue to get himself back to where he felt he could be helpful. And it's stripped away from him by the person that gave him that initial offer. And just the moment in the rain when he's like pleading, crying, give it back. Like, I need, I, I need this back. It's the first time he really kind of expressed outwardly the true emotion of I can't, literally I can't live feeling like this, this hopelessness. Yeah, so, and he's such a, like, m-
1: martyr-type character that, like, he was having all this internal turmoil and consternation, but he wouldn't tell any of his friends, right, like, how how seriously it was fucking him up. And I think... Yeah. Also, if you know, like, his backstory, like, really what's pushed him to to kind of try to help all these people, and even see him early on, like, before he's even, like, in, inducted into the Soul Society at all. Like, he's helping, like, shepherd souls to the other side. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically... Yeah he's just like overwrought with guilt of not being able to protect his mother when she died originally, right? And so like that guilt of like being powerless when he was a kid and then having the ability to make a difference and actually save people's lives and then losing it again and then gaining it back and losing it again, right? It's just like, it's such a roller coaster. And I think like pure, pure masterpiece as far as like, Kubo making that like really really pop, fucking popping.
0: Yeah, I mean the if were are talking about Jesus, like emotional fuckery in terms of sadness, Grave of the Fireflies. We keep talking, we're like, oh my, oh my god, like it's one of the premier sad boy energy. Just because the setting and from top to bottom, the art and that that was just like ah. Uh, to this day, it's probably one of the most emotionally soul-wrenching pieces of anime I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I think anything... Just given the
0: setting and all that.
1: Anything related to, like, essentially the collateral damage or, like, really the atrocities of war, but specifically World War Two, I think, like, is very, very heavy, but it's almost, like, like, heavy on a human level, right? Like, you realize, like, this was such a mess... Like when I went to um I went to the the holocaust museum in in washington d c right Its just like the second you step through the doors will fuck you up like beyond all recognition, but it's like it's almost like the situation where you have to like and it might be a little bit of a callback to what we were talking about earlier is like you have to experience these things just to know like how wrong they are and how like anti to humanity and life they are um yeah and just seeing like uh, in in the grave of the fireflies case like these these kids like having to deal with the repercussions and like essentially the, the disgusting actions of like the adults of the
0: era it's just it's tough yeah and i'll, I'll give you i'll give you an interesting other one that because i was thinking of just what what gave me a lot of sadness and maybe something that i i caught in just the way i interpreted the show vinland saga Specifically, like like Thorfinn basically as a character is so unbelievably tragic to me. Um just because of he was forcibly thrown into living a life that like his you can tell he's a, such a tragic case, he's his sole desire is to avenge the death of his father. That was such like a cheap ass tragic thing. That and you know he's he's driven single mindedly to to better a set of skills he never he never wanted his father never wanted necessarily for him in a world his father never necessarily wanted him to be in uh he his father tried to escape all that, and then sadly his death drew this boy like this five year old kid kicking and screaming like. Into a world of just like violence and death and forced to participate in that for a for a, a mission that like you know basically it's like it makes me it, it hurts my soul to watch that show because it's a character that is uh living living a life and progressing in and, and through this you know Viking era in a way that no one that actually cared about him ever wanted him to go into and sadly no matter what happens to him or the people around him or the forces that enact upon him he's still unable to be i don't know reached internally finland saga man that 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 show like it's super cool it's a great story but i find a lot of tragedy i found a lot of tragedy in that show
1: yeah i, um, I think the thing that really like should F you up about it the most is like, that is like not an uncommon story at all. And like the the Viking epics or really even the time period, right? Like most of like the wars in, in England and all that stuff, it's just like people killing people's fathers. They grow up like raise armies to get revenge. And it's like very revenge you know, driven societies back in that time period. And it's just like, it's super, um, it's it's hard to like put yourself in that st- you know in in those mindsets from like our modern America or modern world because like that stuff just does not really happen I guess unless you're in the hood right like I guess yeah, it right. it does happen like in certain subsets of like society but at least in like the the relatively safe uh parts of society it's just like something that never really crosses your mind but it's like also it's like part of the human condition and like part of the human story right like this stuff all happened um now of course yeah. like like finland saga is a you know sort of a epic like um uh, more of like a, almost a myth fairy tale but a lot of it is like relatively true right
0: yeah at least in the big, in the grander picture that all the stuff that they are portraying did happen right just you know the, it's it's gussied up for a uh for a more fantastical setting so yeah um before yeah before you got into some of your other like more obscure ones the last one i think obviously we need to talk about is maiden abyss probably the poster child in my eyes of kind of pulling the reality of a given situation like rushing in based on in in defiance of its own setting and what it tried to set up it's a sh- that that show looks like a well crafted almost studio Gibby's like high Fantasy adventure, you know, show. But as we as anyone who's watched know, halfway through that show or that first season, the reality of that world sets in so heavy for two like children, and the grotesque nature by which they kind of portray all of that is such an immediate but almost like natural uh byproduct of the world they set up. It's almost as if the show screams at you guys wait, how did you not think this wouldn't happen?
1: Right. <laughs> like, we
0: literally told you everything that would happen, and then they put it front-center, unadulterated, and it goes from being this kind of, you know, kind of happy-go-lucky, we're-gonna-go-on-an-adventure kind of show, uh, kind of story, to this is a fight for your freaking lives. Like, I don't care if you're 5 or 90. Like, this affects you all equally. So... That I love a show, and I think there's there's more like Madoka Magica, kind of, but I think like that, like Made in Abyss, more than others is like, yeah, we literally told you everything that would happen, and the shock comes from like our own delusion or the show kind of forcing delusion on the audience of like making you believe maybe, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, this is going to be a happy go lucky thing while still giving you the entire lore of the show. And when it finally happens to them and real danger sets in, you're like, fuck what? Of course. Why did not they see this coming? It's gruesome, but I knew this was going to happen eventually. So what the hell?
1: Yeah. It's just the main character thinks like it's not going to be a problem. Right. And I think that's where it kind of the, almost like the veil gets gets pulled off because yeah we're like we're looking through her perspective like oh i'm going to find my mom and hang out you know what i mean and uh yeah and and like they do they do explain that it's dangerous a few times but they don't really say how or like to what degree so i think that's a little bit sort of why it does kind of come as a bit of a surprise later on even even having been warned is like how ridiculous the stakes ratchet up per level and then like the idea of like yeah 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 returning is not as easy as it, as it would initially
0: seem yeah and, and i like the idea that the like you are as the audience in kind of in lockstep with understanding the true reality of the world just like she is and you both at the exact same time have the wool pulled out uh, from, uh, from uh, in front of your eyes, right? You, you both are, you know, snapped to reality, like at the same time, which is like, if a show can do that, where your conduit learns and understands the exact things you do as a fully formed, omnipotent viewer of this world, then yeah, that's a really good way of writing that story. It's a really good way to have like a drop twist like that. So, um, that's the, that was the other main one I was, I think that that's a clear mainstay main, you know, uh a mainstream example of like an emotional drop fuckery. So.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got two more ones a, a little bit more main mainstream, but I'm not going to say too much about it cuz like the twist is like honestly the whole show, so I don't really want to like super fuck it up, but it's it's a I, another another. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I, I think you start watching the show and you're like, wow, something is definitely going on. This is unbelievably creepy, like the fact that like essentially an entire class of people is just ignoring a human being and you're like, is she even real? <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. And right. then beyond that, it just like it absolutely spirals into pure debauchery by the end. Um and it's just it's sort of this story that I think, like, if you really put yourself in in the shoes of the other students, you're just like, absolutely fuck this. I would leave. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's like pure torture the whole show. And then the final twist, you're like, no effing way, like, no way, I, you know this this could happen.
0: Yeah, And that and basically one of its tags is gore.
1: And and I fully <laughs> fully agree with that.
0: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Okay, what was that other one?
1: Okay, so this is, is now. This is the one that actually prompted me to talk about this with you. It's called yeah. it's called Fruit of grissae. I I don't the word is really weird. It's G R I S A I A.
0: The Fruit of Grissaria. No, Gris, uh, Grisa, Grisaia?
1: Grisaia, I guess. I don't know. Sure. But it's sure. it's essentially and it's like it's such a lowbrow show that i'm not so worried about spoiling it and like honestly you don't have to watch it i'll just sort of explain some of the plot points here so first of all it's it's like based off a light novel so it's just insanely etchy so just get off get like that off the the um, got it off the rip so i thought this was going to be like actually i saw this as like a part of one of those compilations where it's like badass MC, you know just like talked about this right but like chad mc like uh basically like (laughs) dunks on harem or whatever i'm like okay fine you know what i mean like just like looking for for that giga chad kind of moment well (laughs) the actual main character's story is like potentially one of the most tragic in history it's like so so heavy um like He's basically forced to watch like both his parents die in front of him. His sister was killed in like a crazy accident. He like what the he's fuck? taken in by like a like a terrorist that's been like sexually and also like <laughs> like what? sexually assaulting him and like drugging this shit out of him and like forcing him to become what? like a like an assassin killer. And basically the rest of the story is about him like coming back from that and like trying to find some, something to do with his life. That's semi-productive. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, this idea of like, can you, can somebody so useless and disgusting like me do anything good with my life? And it, basically oh he sets out to just try to like, um, save five people is like his whole mantra after a certain point. And so obviously the harem is the five people he tries to save. And, the stories are I guess progressively get like darker and darker for each of the girls that he saves. But the one that he like finally the last girl that he has to save, like the story like actually made me feel like a little bit ill. <laughs> oh my god. So it's basically like um she, she was part of this like uh this basketball club. And they go out and they're, they're like in the mountains somewhere in like a minibus. And, and like their tire pops and the minibus flies over the cliff. So they're like way off in, in like the middle of nowhere woods. Um, Jesus. And basically they ha- they have a couple like pretty serious injuries right off the rip. And then the rest of them are just trying to like figure out how to survive long enough for somebody to come find them, right? Well, it ends up yeah. like devolving into like a 14-day like try like attempt to survive but obviously like food runs out there's like cannibalism that shows up
0: there's like Uh, i I figured that was coming
1: there's like people start losing their mind their teacher starts like raping one of the kids like it just like it gets so dark so fast god and i honestly i could have never seen it coming from like the beginning of the show (laughs) and i think that's what that's what like fucked me up so bad about it is like yes it was like etchy it was like a cute little like harem you know what i mean all these girls like him for various reasons and then it just went like pure degenerate like
0: like hell on earth kind of scenario but it was like let me ask you this real yeah yeah let me ask you this real quick do do you i'm hearing this right and it's kind of what i was alluding to before like artificial emotional turmoil and anguish for the the sake of like an interesting show do you not feel like that, that was just did it at all feel natural that this stuff happened? Cause it definitely feels like you your edge of the week. It's not even like a monster of the week style. It's just like, we're going to keep getting edgier until it's just, we can't go edgier anymore. Right? Like, does that not feel like there's just like, it, it all feels like shock, right? Clearly. Um, it's
1: definitely shock. I, this, this ties in fairly well because you don't really know what his goals are in the beginning. Right. And then like okay. once okay. once he's like saving these girls' lives, you really find out about his past. It's it's kind of like a weird storytelling mechanic that they use. Um and like obviously this is extreme spoilers for the show, and like I don't know if I would really recommend it to anybody. <laughs> no rex, no rex. Right? Like it's just like so almost like <laughs> so aggressively <laughs> hard to watch. I mean I'm I'm finishing oh my it God. like like all of this was just season one and now I'm trying to finish season two just because like at this point I have to fucking know like the whole story. Like I,
0: I've dealt have to see it. You
1: know what I mean? I've I've like lived through, <laughs> I've made it through the war crime. <laughs> that is the first, like the end of the first season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's really about like redemption from there. So I, I like, I feel like I have to, to see the redemption or else like I would just be in a puddle of like, I don't know, muck.
0: Um but So there, there has to be some uprise. There I have to you have to seek yourself out.
1: Right. And so it's just I don't know. It it was just one of those situations where like I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, this really fucked me up. Let's tell Ricky to <laughs> to do a <laughs> like anime that fucked me up, you know.
0: <laughs> I love that it did it so much it spawned an entire topic. But you know what? That's the thing, like, right? There there is with shows like this, there's you know, there's cr- clearly a fine line. Actually, you know what? I think at the end, I'm realizing the line's not that fine. I, I think that y- there's clearly a class of show that can do this while having something to say. And there's a class of show that do it because there's not they do it because they have nothing to say. You know, Exa- yeah, like, I totally show- agree with you. Yeah. Shows shows like Attack on Titan, ReZero, they have something to say and they utilize vehicles of emotional turmoil and anguish to get that point across. Because of what they're trying to say. Then there's others that we don't have anything meaningful of, of, of note here. So let's use that same thing. And you find that the more extreme, grotesque stuff like the, the this fruit show, um, <laughs> that is clearly, it's not there because it has a higher message. It's not there because you're going to walk away feeling like there's a lot you know, to be engaged about in, in terms of depth of what they're trying to do right but no, I, th- I think what doing for,
1: yeah. what does mess you up is you think like this absolutely could happen like it's really like messed up but it's like entirely possible i think and, and that's what uh, i was trying to say about like watching sh- shows about like netflix series or documentaries about like certain serial killers right it's like yeah this shit exists it is not unlikely right. that this could happen and it almost certainly has like I think there was a there's this story um I can't remember which mountain range it was but there's some mountain range expedition that was happening where like the entire group ends up dying and you find they found out somehow that like they essentially cannibalized each other cuz they got stuck in like this insane situation and so it's oh, a, it's a wait. little bit like that I can't remember if it's like in the Himalayas or where but it's like a real I, real
0: story. Yeah, I vaguely remember and there's like some people that are like found outside of their own will like no clothes because of extreme hypothermia. It's like a horror show of just different things that could have happened that these people did like
1: Well, I'm right. Really and so it's like that. when when you're yeah, stuck, yeah, yeah. when you're stuck on your own with no food, no like real source of like nutrition and water, like your brain makes you do absolutely bonkers insane shit. And I think it's just the reason this one hit so hard is because they weren't adults. They're like middle school girls basketball team and still lose their fucking minds. You know what I mean? Like right, I knew right, from the rip. Right. I knew from the rip like the adult male teacher was going to lose his shit and like I knew that he's going to start raping kids because it was just like that felt like the direction it was going to go. <laughs> um but Yeah, exactly. But like all that to say that really like <laughs> And it's not even like the only time in that show that it like messes with you. I think the the second time was like when you find out his backstory and like he watched his parents die, and then he gets taken in by this like essentially rapist, like drug lord that just like Jesus turns him into this, this is, like
0: demon. Just how many how many tags can you put on just for edgy sake, or edginess sake? Like, Jeezy Pete,
1: right? But like, but yeah, I that it, it, yeah. it would be extra bad. I think if it was like not something that happens do you know what i mean like i think does that make sense like i think if it was literally yeah, just yes. for edginess sake like it would be bad but like this felt entirely possible
0: <laughs> that's the scary part which oh, made shit. it extra yeah. fucky <laughs> extra fucky well you know what i you know what i liked most about this episode real jovial like a lot a lot yeah, of yeah, really super uplifting re- yeah really light light-hearted you know you know just come just coming. uh you know bounce around and talk about some fun stuff, you know? Good gosh. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like the shows that emotionally and mentally fuck up the audience, there are ways to do it. Well, where that sticks with you in a way that's actually kind of, you know, cool, fun and engaging. And there's others that clearly are doing it in a way that's like, forcing you to not forget. And you're like, why God, why is this in front of me? And, you know, <laughs> it's clear to know, it's clear to know the difference because a show that does it well can maintain and you know moments series seasons can you know stand the test of time because they did it in such an engaging way and others you'll never have heard of and yet will be some of the most fucked up shit that you may stumble across that you you never ever wanted to have happen so ethan i i don't envy you uh i i will probably not watch this show um (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Just so what I, I think... had to do
1: is after I had to like start rewatching Kagi Asama Love Is War and dub.
0: Yeah. Just to
1: like cleanse the palate and just enjoy like some fun little like you know detente between two like smart kids.
0: <laughs> That's actually I said it in the past when I was I would watch we- Weekly Re Zero and then finish my night with slime.
1: Yeah. That was a beautiful it. balance there.
0: It. It's a it's a beautiful balance. Um. But you know what? Thanks, y'all, for coming to this quite emotionally turmoil and anguished class. I'm I literally, promise next crying. Week, <laughs> <laughs> literally crying. Literally crying. We'll be back next week with some lighthearted shit. Hopefully. Well, you know what? We we don't even know. We don't even know. I would something, make something that fun promise, next week. man. I would make it promise, but we'll we'll come back with something that is not about it. But this still a, it's still an interesting topic to talk about because like some like I said, some shows stick with us pretty hard and. It's important to talk about that. Yeah. Anime ain't just,
1: uh. Right, exactly. I think it really, really shows that anime is not for just for like little kids and like some of this shit will fuck you up.
0: Some of this shit will fuck you up. And either we seek it out or it seeks you out, which is kind of scary sometimes. (laughs) The abyss looks back if you look too long. (laughs) But thanks, Joel, for coming to class. If you want to, uh, Listen to any other of our episodes. You're already on the platform, baby. Just go on and click over there on the uh, Spotify, Apple Music, but all of the links are in the description below wherever you're getting your podcast fix. YouTube stuff's up. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you do those things. If you want to get into the Patreon stuff, only if you can, $1 and up into the Patreon.com slash gets you into the Discord with all of our past guests and lovely Patreon folk. $3 and up gets you into the syllabus sidebar, our low-fi, high-vibe, high sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes on hiatus, and sometimes visual show where we talk about life and shit and things that, uh you know, we want to do experimentally, you know, random game shows that we've just make up. Cause I, that's a thing that we do on the side. <laughs> you know, I stay, I stay awake at night thinking, how do I make the next big, who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> hmm. Who wants to be an anime I- bro? <laughs> Who wants to be an anime, bro? But yeah, um, do you want to give us some old school love? Webologypodcast.gmail.com Say hi, tell us there's a show. What shows, if you want to get in Discord too, tell us what shows really stuck with you emotionally. It could be, you know, emotional fuck uppery. It could be emotional kind of... It hits you right in the feels. It kind of, you had a twist so heavy it made your head spin. We want to know. I love shows like that, so I'm always kind of looking out for something like that. Um, But yeah, honestly, I think that's it i'm gonna go do some late night editing some editing after dark if you will <laughs> whoa oh yeah oh yeah! but We're until risque. i can make even yeah, until i can even make a spicier editing session i'm ricky
1: and i'm ethan
0: and this has been webology <laughs> deuces <laughs> we really came in he- this is a heavy episode.
1: yeah For us, dude. come on guys it was good, on, it was a good one was,
0: cheer go up on guys cheer up <laughs> yeah cheer up guys go watch go watch the romance it's all good